Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coaches or athlete significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And we're your hosts of More Than a Season podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, welcome. We had an eventful week this past week. Yes, we, like. won, we won another game. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It is. It's always like, uh, I don't know about you, but I always feel like so exhausted the next day after the game because I don't know if it's because I'm so emotionally into it or it's just a long like process, but I'm always so tired on oh, Sunday. Oh yeah. I was so tired. I was so tired after the game. I felt like we were there till one in the morning and it was like nine. <laughs> yeah. It felt really, really late. And we have these bug a couple times land in my hair and we they like dive bomb yes they like come right down into your head it is the craziest thing but yeah I think we figured out it was because I had like a load of dry shampoo in my hair attracted to the dry shampoo (laughs) yes but but while we were sitting there we thought it was super cool so we won't say her name but we were sitting with one of our friends and her and her significant other actually are no longer together and one of the reasons why we even brought this up or we're talking about it is because she said a statement that we thought was kind of just catching. Yeah, I think in this industry, like we always talk about the hard things of being in the industry. And I think it's also important to note that it's not for everyone. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to to realize that it's not for you or maybe your significant other and you just aren't a good match. Like that's okay. Like that's mature. Yeah, because to the extent of what we were talking is she's like, you know, after, you know, reflecting back, it's just crazy to me because you have to do a lot to make this work a lot more than like anybody else in their relationship that has to do it. So yeah, I thought that was interesting that she said that because I think a lot of the times you get into these relationships with people in the sports industry and it's fast paced and you're thrown into it. And we talk about that all the time on here. But I think being able to sit back and be like, okay, wait, I'm not getting all of the things I want out of a relationship. And maybe that person can't give them to you. And so she kind of had that conversation with him and he realized like, yeah, I can't give that to you, you know, being long distance and all of that. So not saying you guys should break up with your significant others, but, (laughs) but just saying that like, it does take a lot of work and relationships are a lot of work in general, but especially in the sports industry, you have so many added factors that are thrown onto you and you're expected to just strive through them. And I think sometimes it's, you can't. And that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, even we've received some DMs that are just like, what about communication? I, he's not doing this or he or she is not doing this. And I just think it was kind of eye opening because even for myself, you get so wrapped up in your world that you just think that, you know, this is the end all be all. Like mm-hmm. you're in the sports industry forever. But yeah, we just thought that was really cool to share. But Brittany is going out on the town this, this weekend. She's yeah. going to a bachelorette party. I'm going to Nashville. I am going, one of my best friends is getting married next year. And so we're doing her bachelorette in Nashville and it's Thursday through Sunday. So pray for me because <laughs> I am 30 years old and I apparently am acting like it lately. So I can't, I cannot hang anymore. I had two drinks the other night and I swear it was like, I woke up with the worst hangover. So all of you that are young out there, enjoy it, live it up. 
because it just isn't the same after you turn 30. I know. I don't know why it hits you. I'm not 30. I'm 28. But still, I feel like it when it hits you, it hits you hard. Like, I was so tired, too. I just, I don't know. But, yeah, so there's one night, though, that I she has to share with you all because it's this theme that I think is hilarious. So please tell them the theme of the night out in Nashville. (laughs) So my my best friend, her... My, her niece calls her Nana because she can't say Shannon. That's a lot of S's. Yeah. So her sister was like, I think we all should dress up as grandmas, like Nana's. So we all are dressing up as um, old ladies and we're going to hit the town <laughs> in our old lady get up. So I got a wig. I wanted to be like a hippie old lady. If you watch Grace and Frankie. Oh, Yeah. I uh-huh. love that show and I love Frankie. I was like, that's, that was my vibe, but really I got a ponytail, <laughs> like a slicked back ponytail or Your like a braid. <laughs> yeah. And then I trying to find some, you know, socks to go in the bra and the booty and just, I'm, I'm really going to, I'm going to bring my A game. But there is a prize. Like if you win. Yeah. So this is why you're all in. Brittany is a very competitive person. And Mm -hmm. this, I think you're going to win. It'll be good. I don't know. I have some stiff competition. (laughs) These people, I was telling Ashley this and like, I told my friend, my friend this too. I was like, this bachelorette is fun for me because I feel like it's almost like my bachelorette in the sense that like it's not my bachelorette and I'm not going to act like it is. But what I'm saying is that all the people that are going are friends of mine too and I've known them for a really long time and so it's a really fun group and I feel like sometimes when you go to a bachelorette party you're like oh Susie's coming and like she's such a wet blanket like I wish she wasn't coming or like (laughs) oh gosh like Joni has to be home by seven like I think that usually you have that in the group and I just feel like this group is not like that and so I'm excited to see how it goes how it goes I'll keep you guys updated it'll be so fun so so fun so we'll we'll tune back in and let you know who won the grandma contest (laughs) keep your fingers crossed that I win guys (gasps) yes but this episode that we're bringing to you today we felt is super important because it is all things mental health which is huge especially in our industry and so we actually went to a professional had her she's actually in the sports industry herself had her come on and basically just chat yeah. all questions that we had. So we talked to Katie Breyer and her husband is a basketball coach at UNT and she dove into so many different topics and I feel like with mental health sometimes you get siloed into one specific genre of mental health mm-hmm. and I think she really did a great job about covering all of the bases and she answered all of your questions that you guys sent us previous to the episode and so I honestly this episode to me I was like this could have gone on for like five hours and I would have been entertained like yeah it's so good yeah we we both felt like we came out of a session after we were done just because a lot of these questions that y'all asked we of course asked her and you know got her professional advice but I just think that both of us struggle with different things and so we also want to bring our perspective to the table so Brittany and I both will be sharing on a future episode kind of our struggles and what we've been going through and how far we've come and where we've come with the mental health journey and both of us have different things that we're working on so that'll be a good one too yeah I think honestly she kicks it off perfectly she honestly covers every single thing that you could think about in the sports industry because we had such different questions that were brought in yeah, I think there was a couple times where she left us speechless and we were like laughing because we were like, Brittany, you got to edit that out because we literally were like, wow, that is incredible. We yeah. didn't even think of it like that. 
Yeah, so I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, friends. Welcome back. You know, it's our favorite time of the week. We have a very special guest for our interview today, and we're going to let her introduce herself. My name is Katie Breyer, and my husband, Matt, is an assistant coach at the University of North Texas, and we currently live just north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And what exactly do you do, and what does he do in the sports industry? Sure. So he is an assistant men's basketball coach, so we're here at UNT. I am a licensed mental health counselor. And so there's all kinds of letters and all the things that go behind it. Um, (laughs) My official title here in the state of Texas is licensed professional counselor, supervisor, licensed chemical dependency counselor, national certified counselor. So it's, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I've been in mental health for just over a decade, I started as a caseworker and then um, actually went to UNT for graduate school. And this was pre-MAT. So it's crazy to come back and be back where I went to school. But I love it. It's it's awesome. I really, really love my job. Wow. So you came like full circle. You like went to school, <laughs> came around, and then you're like, wow, I'm back here. Totally different. Out of all the D1 universities that we could have landed at, it's the one place I'd already lived, which was such an interesting experience to go from somewhere we had never lived back to somewhere I was really familiar with. So which is awesome. It's definitely different, but it's been a really cool, cool thing to be back for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I want to, we'll dive into what you do and more on that topic, but how did you guys meet and how did you kind of get started in the sports industry? Yeah. So we actually met, I'm from Wichita, Kansas originally, and Matt played at Wichita state. And so he's a couple years older than I am. So we actually met the first time in 2007, I was headed off to college in Kansas city And they had just come off their sweet 16 run. And we actually both worked for the same Wichita state booster that summer. So random. (laughs) I, I nannied for their kids and he worked on their farm, which is like the most Kansas thing of all time. (laughs) And then we didn't see each other again for almost seven years. So we both kind of went different ways you know, did different things, had different jobs. And then we ran into each other at an AAU tournament. I was really good friends with the strength coach's spouse for a prep school in Wichita. And we were in Kansas city. And I remember looking at this game and on the bench was Bill Self and Matt. And I remember saying to my friends that, okay, I know who Bill Self is, but who's that guy. And we all ended up at dinner together that night. And put together we'd met before so we actually were long distance for two years we were dating for a I mean y'all know I think in seasons right so for one basketball yeah. season <laughs> we dated long distance and then we got engaged and we were engaged for another season and then got married after that that's funny that we view time as in yeah football <laughs> season or whatever it's sport like, season it's like teachers view it I think in school years you know so we right. kind of just do the same thing in sports yeah, yeah I know <laughs> that's funny is has your profession that you do now and I want you to kind of explain it in just a second but has that always been the plan like that's something that you've always been passionate about or did you know it take you um, kind of a journey to get to what you're doing today yeah so it's funny I actually started off interested in music. Um, my mom is music educator, music education through my family. I played piano forever, but I just always, it was actually criminal justice that kind of was my interest and my first love. And it was an interesting way to kind of get in the back door. I didn't know that I necessarily wanted to go to the police academy or do that route, but 
that way of thinking and that approach to things is so interesting to me. And so right out of the gate, my undergrad's in psych and criminal justice, and then I have my clinical mental health counseling master's. I'm actually in school for my PhD right now. So a lot of school, (laughs) but it really started with, I think my first job right out of my master's was working in sex crimes. And so I worked with adult sex offenders and that was really my world for about two and a half years. And then when we made our first move, we went out to Charleston, South Carolina, and I was so blessed to get to work at the other D1 university out there. So I worked with college students, which was amazing. But when we moved back to Denton, I'm with juvenile probation now and doing juvenile mental health court. So kids who maybe end up in the system more due to their diagnosis rather than criminal behavior, but they still need some extra support. So it was always something I was interested in, but I really like the, the tie-in with the criminal justice system too. I, I really enjoy my work. Wow. That's, so interesting. that's awesome. I know that's a lot of, a lot of school work. My cousin's actually going through, just got her PhD and it was like, I feel like she's been in school forever. So I totally (laughs) see the outside looking in on that. So you're saying it ends at some point. It does come to a finish. (laughs) It does end. She just graduated. So there you go. But I think that's such a cool path to take and to be able to find a job because a lot of us, you know, in the sports industry, that's a big worry. Like moving with your significant other and having to find a job and you kind of lucked out and you're still in the same field that you wanted to be in. Absolutely. So is it different from every state that you've been to? Like, do you have to get a new, how how does that work? Yeah. So licensure is state by state, which has been a journey. And I, I know there's other like nursing is state by state, but mental health is still really in this I guess, a journey to figure out the national recognition. And so you have different types of counselors, but I had a full supervisory license in Kansas. And then when we moved to South Carolina, they were trying to send me back to school because some of their licensure stuff wasn't the same as where I'd come from. And then when I moved back to Texas, I couldn't have my supervisory privileges, but I could have other things. So it's, it's been a real interesting kind of stepping stone. I mean, y'all know it every place you kind of have to figure out the nuances. And so I've been very fortunate that my career is very transferable. Everywhere we've moved, there's a population, there's a place. I get burnout kind of working with one type of client. There's other things for me to do, but it's definitely a bit of a journey figuring out, okay, can I practice here? How quickly can I get my license? It's not always very easy. So yeah, I bet. I think that with your role too, something that just popped to my mind when I was listening to you talk about the different types of work that you've done is you have to be very unbiased and almost showing grace to listen to somebody that sits in front of you and is telling you all Mm -hmm. what's going through their mind and like what decision, you know, brought them to where they're at now, especially with criminal system, because I mean, that would be really difficult. I feel like to sit there and just listen and not have any any, you know, opinion, you just have to do that. That'd be so hard to do. It's a really, and it's probably my favorite part of counseling, but it's this thing. So Carl Rogers is kind of our granddaddy of counseling. I mean, there's Freud, we all know Sigmund, but then he's kind of the more modern day, what we all think of as counseling, right? So it's called unconditional positive regard. And kind of like you were saying, it's this, whatever you're saying in front of me is not going to change my opinion of you. Like you can say what you need to say, but you're not in charge of what I think about you. And so right out of the gate, working in sex crimes, that really got tested um, just because you take in so much information that isn't the norm necessarily, but you're right. It is just that 
constant practice and grace and just seeing people for who they are and kind of past their issues and more to the person. So it's, I've met some amazing, amazing people along the way, but it definitely has forced me to get really good at self-care too and good boundaries at taking care of myself because that's how people burn out so quickly. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too, like in terms of taking that home and being able to kind of let that go and not feed into your other relationships. I mean, do you have a different viewpoint on personal relationships now seeing all this and seeing how the world kind of you kind of see the bad side of things I'm sure you see some good too but you do see a lot of bad so does that kind of change your viewpoint with like relationships and having like a little bit of a different boundary with those sure it definitely makes you a little bit more gun shy especially even with parenting you see really how wrong it can go um, we always say it's mm-hmm. it's great birth control because it, you really see you know <laughs> the, where things can go wrong but at the same time it's also when things start really low there's also a lot of place for growth and you get to see a lot of okay we started here but oh my gosh in 6 months look at all the progress you've made but it definitely changes how proactive you have to be as far as seeing the world positively. Cause like you guys were saying, when it's all negative all the time, or, you know, people don't show up in my office when they're doing well, that's not the point. Normally by the time they're doing well, right. I'm, hey, it's, it's time to go, go live your life. I'm not going to be around forever, but it does require me. Like I, gosh, I've seen my own counselor since I started practicing and it's just kind of this never ending loop probably of counselors seeing a counselor just to make sure we're okay. If these things, you know, sometimes stuff comes up that riles up some stuff in us that maybe we weren't expecting. So we've got to go talk to someone making sure we're staying on top of it. So we're giving good ethical care. But yeah, it definitely makes you ask hard questions and think through hard things. But at the end of the day, that's where Matt's job in basketball, honestly, has always been such a good balance. Like I can kind of unplug from my world and go plug into his and kind of have a separation between those two. So it's actually been a really nice give and take between our two careers. But with that, do you see any of the people and the women in his life and his circle, all the significant others, do they come to you and they're like, hey, help me with this? You know, <laughs> I would. <laughs> and I'd be like, hey, um, need your advice. <laughs> I know mean, those like unofficial coffee dates that turn into a little more like, so. Yes. <laughs> a therapy session, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a really, it's fun, like having I don't know what it's like to be like, not be a counselor and be friends with a counselor, but I'm sure, you know, my inner circle people are always like, give me a hard time. Like, okay, therapist, let's go. But it's, a, <laughs> I'll tell you what I know, like I do this stuff all day, like more than 40 hours a week, coping skills, anxiety, depression, like that's where I live. And still being a sports wife like brings me to my knees every year, as far as putting that into mm-hmm. practice. So it is it's easier said than done. And so there's never any sort of judgment or like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this because it's hard. Like it is flat out hard and people from the outside looking in don't always give it the credence that it's due. So I'm, I'm thankful y'all are talking about it because it is, it's just kind of this behind the scenes struggle that we talk a lot about like athlete mental health has become kind of a newer topic and we're hearing more about it. But as far as the people behind the scenes, there's a lot going on for us too, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that it's such a good topic. You know, we always talk about like, how do we even discuss something like this? Because 
I mean, of course, we're not licensed professionals, so we <laughs> just need a perfect fit. So we're so glad we have you. But I mean, speaking on that, we had asked about questions that our listeners and followers want to know. And, you know, to be honest, um, a lot of these questions that hit home with Brittany and I because we're like, yeah, we do feel yeah. that. And yeah. everyone kind of feels the same way, but no one really knows how to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just kind of this weird unsaid rule. So we're glad that we're like bringing it to light. But we do have a list of questions here. And one of the first ones is how to balance your emotions within the sports industry when there's so many high highs and so many low lows, and you're trying to find that even balance emotionally and mentally. Oh my gosh. And this is something that like, I will bookmark this for myself in February, which for for those of you in basketball, and I'm sure football's got this month, like where you have had it, like you're tired, you're ready for it to be done. He's been gone all the time, you know, whatever. But it is like, this is such an adrenaline chasing profession. And so the highs are really high and they are, there's nothing like it. But let me tell you, as high as those highs are, the lows can be pretty low too, for so many reasons. And I would say some of it, you know, there, there have been seasons in the past where just, I couldn't be as present in Matt's season as I wanted to. And not that I didn't love him and I wasn't a hundred percent on board, but as far as me being at every single game and riding that wave as high and as low as it could go, I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the threshold. And I think that we've got to be proactive in knowing that boundary for ourselves. of, okay, am I in a season where I can give all of my mental and emotional energy to this? Maybe yes, maybe no. I know there's kind of this weird, and it was something I struggled with early on of, okay, well, good coaches' wives, good coaches' spouses do this. They're, you know, every game, they're all in, they know what's going on. They know what's happening in conference. And I'll be honest, I just can't, like, I don't have time. <laughs> and then I realized, <laughs> like, I realized that's, that's his job, right? That's not my job. And so really knowing, okay, my feelings are real, but they are not reliable. And that's probably the biggest baseline thing I've come back to over and over again in my life that just because I feel a certain way, that's legit. Like I'm actually feeling that high, high or low, low, but that's not a reliable place to make my decisions from. And so letting it pass, um, addressing it with different things, talking to someone about it. But there's also this, I guess, identity component. But when you're married to sports, there is always in the back of your mind, it's like, okay, my mortgage payment is relying on how many points come in this game or how many wins and losses. And it's so ridiculous, y'all. Like who lives this way? We always, I was like the joke with my coaching wife's friends. It's like, this is such a dumb way to make a living, but, yeah. but, but I wouldn't do it any other way. Right. Like it's this right. weird thing. And so every time that things are really good, I really try to be intentionally present. We were very blessed to have such a successful season last year. And so I really, it was kind of those moments of, I don't know if you guys watched The Office, but at Jim and Pam's wedding, when he's like taking those mental pictures and just like, hey, yep, let me take this mental snapshot. For me, when things are really good, I really try to just take a second, like, okay, like, I don't want to forget this. Because just as easily a torn ACL, a scheduling mishap, you guys know, like the second something changes just a little, that trajectory can go downhill quick. And so if my happiness identity is tied to that, that's going to be an exhausting way to live. 
So I guess that's kind of a twofold answer of A, that your feelings are legitimate, but that's not a reliable place for decision-making and B, that your identity just has to be so much more than what your spouse does. Cause that, that thing will burn you out quick. Yeah. I love, I love that you said like, you know, you don't make a decision in that moment because I feel like that's, at least for me personally, I am like quick to react and I've tried really hard. And in the sports industry, it's really hard not to, because I feel like you have, this is kind of going into my next question, but you have all this time by yourself, right? And maybe you have kids, but once those kids go to bed, you still have all this time by yourself where you're just kind of like mulling over things and you're thinking things and you're overthinking things and you're constantly thinking about like what the next opportunity is or maybe like that conversation that you had with your significant other or someone on the team. So how do you or what do you suggest you do to stay focused and like in the moment and not have those overthinking moments when you're alone so often? It is so hard. It is so hard because and it's I think it's especially easy because how many people live in a world where their spouse's jobs are critiqued by so many people. And a lot of times people who don't really probably even know enough to be critiquing, (laughs) but it is that rabbit hole is something for me that when I get tired, I know that's where my brain tends to go. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's called the halt skill, but checking in, okay, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Or am I tired? Because generally, if I can address one of those four things, especially hangry, because hanger is a very, <laughs> it's a real thing in the Briar household. Yes. So many things can be avoided by that. But I also have to remind myself, like, I'm in charge of the rabbit hole. You know, this isn't Alice in Wonderland where I'm just free falling with no ability to stop. I'm going to decide when I'm going to stop this Ferris wheel and get off. And there have definitely been seasons of life, our last move and you know, I feel comfortable talking about it because it was a good move. We've got great relationships with the staff we were on before, the staff we are on here. It wasn't a move we had to make. It was a move we chose to make, which I know isn't always everyone's experience. But I still really struggled with it just because, A, I'm from Kansas, and so you can't move me to the beach and then, and then say, we have to go back. Um, that was hard. <laughs> but, but it also came at such a weird time in the year, and so it just kind of caught me off guard. And it was the best thing. It was absolutely the best thing to be closer to family. We don't get that opportunity very often. And so when we do, we get to take it. But I remember there for the first probably three to four months, I really struggled. And in the winter, especially when there's less daylight, you know, Matt's gone all the time. That's not really when I'm at my best. And so this is not research-based. It's just like the Katie Breyer uh, the way I do <laughs> the way I do things, but it's it's my rule of threes, and I've just found that when I take care of my spirit, my body, and my mind, if I can do something for those three things every day, ideally, I'd love to do twenty minutes for each, but I don't always have an hour. And so, okay, for my body, if I'm active, and there are sometimes seasons of life where that's not CrossFit or Peloton, like sometimes it's just walking or getting outside, changing my temperature, like getting out with fresh air, doing something for my soul or my spirit. And faith's a really big part of who I am. And so for me, that's listening to a podcast, getting into the word, playing worship music, being super intentional to feed that, and then doing something for my mind. And I want to say with that, I also am really careful to not have it involve sports and not have it involve work for me, which is surprisingly hard to do. (laughs) I mean, it's, 
it's funny. I, I realized one day we do so much basketball and then we would come home and watch basketball. Like all we've done mm-hmm. all day is talk about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know. And I, I thought one day I'm like, this is just madness. And I, I love it. I, I grew up in Kansas. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of the few states where basketball is king. It is football is second to basketball. I grew up loving watching basketball, but over consumption of anything is just not good for me. And I'm assuming most people. So like with the news, right? If I just had a constant influx and intake of news, I'm not doing well. So I've got to have limits. So that rabbit hole, I would say a, just remembering you're in charge of it. Like you're going to decide when you want to stop but also ways to disrupt it. Anything you can do to really challenge your five senses, you know, like the three that I talked about, but, you know, changing what you're tasting, changing what you're seeing, smelling, touching, any of those things to kind of ground you back in the moment can be really helpful. Yeah, I think all that is so helpful because the rabbit hole is like so real. Like Mm -hmm. anybody you talk to, you're like, oh yeah, (laughs) whether you have kids or you don't, you still find yourself somehow down the rabbit hole at some point in time. So the next one that I just kind of want to touch on is um, having roots. So we try to change our perspective of home is where the game is and where you are and where you're planted in that moment in time. But not everyone reacts that way. And we've learned that over time, like even with ourselves, sometimes there's seasons where we're like, gosh, it would just be so nice if we were just planted like in one spot and we didn't have to worry like at the end of, you know, the season, okay, like, is this my home or are we about to have another home? So through a couple of our listeners, they said that, you know, they go to therapy themselves and in therapy, they said it's not good for your mental health to not have roots. (laughs) So, I mean, what do you do with that? So do you have any, like, just advice that you could give on how to basically create those roots for yourself with what you've been given. Yeah. And that's so hard because ultimately it probably isn't that good for us if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, I just think we are all wired to have this sense of community and belonging. That's just where we're at our best. And so we are in this unique position to find it, build it, and then disrupt it over and over and over. And it hurts, especially when you've got a great neighborhood, a great church, a great job, great friends to have to intentionally walk away from that and start over again is so counterintuitive and really trying for me, this last move, especially realizing that I've got value everywhere that we go was helpful for me. And that when we move, I do think it's a bit of a grieving process and we don't always look at it that way, but it's, it's a loss, even when it's a good thing in a promotion or the job you've always wanted, there are still things that you're losing and saying goodbye to. And it's so okay to respect that and give it the grief that it's earned. I think that's kind of that counterpoint of the more we love something, the harder it is to let it go. And so it's a way of honoring that when we're sad about it. Now, we don't set up camp and live there. We keep walking through it, but honoring that's absolutely appropriate. I would say that, you know, for us, I've always tried to have one room in our house that is consistent and our decor has kind of changed as we've moved around the country that we've got. And it's all of the sports stuff that we've collected along the way, the, the cut nets, the, the pictures, just the stuff. And for me, when that room is set up in the new house, it's like, okay, this is where we're at. Um, and we're just going to be where our boots are and, and be here. 
And a community has been, I know something I really struggled to find. I'm kind of introverted. And so it does take me a while to not only find people, but then get close to people. And so I know for me, by the time I would feel close to people, it's like, oh gosh, we've got to move. And I, wait, I just found you and opened myself up past this initial, <laughs> initial layer. And now we've got to go. And so I think for me, some of shifting my perspective of, you know, Marco Polo is, probably my favorite. I'm, it's the app I want the most. <laughs> and I just have groups of friends that, and it's, it's stuff just like, oh my gosh, you know, my kid tried to eat a marble today, or I'd have this new latte or just, just the <laughs> stuff of life that you miss when you're not in the same physical place. That's been really helpful. And then the gathering, which I don't know, y'all have to tell me for football, because we've got some football wives, but the gatherings of it's a basketball nations of coaches is kind of where it originated and we have small groups. And so throughout the season, we meet every other week on zoom and it is faith-based and it's been so helpful for me. We're divided up by time zones. And so our central time zone group has schools from all over, but we get together, we check in and kind of do the ride together. It, It has made a world of difference for me because you don't have to explain, you know, those things in your new friendships, like, oh, well, why can't your spouse come to dinner? Well, I don't really know his schedule. <laughs> so that'd be great. I would love to make plans. I have no idea what to tell you. And I'll share this quick story, but my group, I'm a Thursday group person. And so my friend Lauren is in my group. We're actually in the same conference. And when it came time for the conference tournament, our teams were against each other in the first round, which just sucked. I was so, gosh, start it, you know, of all the people to play, like I, if there's a way we could both win and I'll never forget, we got to that night and she texted me and we were talking. She's like, gosh, I wish we could have a glass of wine. We could be doing this together. We ended up winning and they were the, our biggest fans going forward from that point. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, we won our conference tournament that year. We went to the tournament. We won our first round game. And all the way through, she was the first person to text me, you know, sending me pictures of her kid watching our game. She's like, he, he's singing our fight songs. He doesn't know yours, (laughs) but, but it's like, Hey, I'm in your corner. And I think for me, it was that, okay, like when people are sad and we've had, you know, the carousel goes, we've had friends get fired. Like we're there, we're in there. How can we help, you know, sending DoorDash when people get the good news, we're equally as excited. And so I think creating that community really intentionally has been helpful to bring home with me because it's something that's not changing. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's kind of something that could be missing for some people in the places that they're at. You know, not everyone is that person that's going to be there in your corner cheering you on and hoping that you succeed as well and even if they're not succeeding. So I think it's hard for some people and personally I have really bad anxiety and so I've talked about this on our podcast a few times and gotten a lot of people that have responded having anxiety as well and I think anxiety is something that is not talked about just like all of the things that encompass mental health are not talked about enough but I think you know, going into a new season or a new place and having that like anxious feeling and not having somebody there that knows you and knows your heart and can kind of pull you out of that. I think a lot of our followers from just talking to them on that, they feel that weight and they feel that they can't Mm -hmm. kind of like dive in. 
You know what I mean? They have that like reservation, I guess I can call it because they're so anxious about, you know, these people don't know who I am. They might not be in my corner. They might be rooting against me. So what are some things that like they can use going into a new place? What are some different tactics that you've given people before that have worked? Yeah. And especially as someone who, you know, I do a lot of listening, but my job really is knowing a lot about other people who know very little about me. And so I, I still struggle to open up. Some advice would definitely be to have some easy topics, things that are personal. So not just generic, like the weather or whatever's going on, but kind of the, <laughs> those softball things where, okay, if I get burned on this, I'm okay with that kind of half step in of, Hey, here are some things about me. And if you really aren't for me, if you're not someone that's in my corner, then okay. You know, lesson learned, but I'm not going to trust you with any more than this. And I think the industry really makes it difficult sometimes because our people are in constant competition. They're being compared to each other. And, and so as spouses, it's hard not to just kind of naturally go into that. When in reality, we, you know, especially as women, like, I think we have to be so proactive about not competing with one another. That is not helpful. And that's not the way that I have found the most joy and that that comparison is such a thief. And so I know for a long time, I was really guarded and I had to get real with myself as far as, okay, if they get me and they pull one over on me and they weren't for me and they said something ugly about me, or they, they weren't someone that was actually helping me. What does that say about me? I was stupid enough to trust this person. Does that say more about me or really more about them? And at the end of the day, if all I've done is be a little too trusting within reason, obviously I'm not out here handing out my social security number, but but this, okay, I'm going to just open up a little bit. And even if this isn't a friend for life, maybe it's a friend for this season. And even if it's not someone that I needed, what if it's someone that needs me? And I think that realizing that everyone's an expert on themselves, if you don't know where to start, ask questions. There is nothing that people love to talk about more than themselves. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they know about. Like, it's not like trivial pursuit. Like you, you know where you're from, you know what you like to do. And so just keep asking questions and with genuine interest, not like weird, you know, okay, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, (laughs) have some feel, ask them, Hey, where do we, where do you go around here? What, what do people do? Tell me more about this. Every move may not be something maybe that you wanted, but I do think that there's someone in a mom's group, there's someone in your neighborhood that maybe has been waiting for you. And when I've been able to reframe it, it's helped me kind of get out of my head a little bit of, okay, I might be worried about this, but my purpose is probably bigger than my worry. And so I've really got to push through that in spite of myself. I love that answer. Yeah. She's like speaking to my soul (laughs) right now. Yeah. No, I think we have moved, uh, Carson, my significant other, we've moved uh, four times now. And I just, not that I'm any, you know, veteran person. It's just every place we've moved, you know, you get put in this group of significant others and you never know like what you're going to get until you get there. Sure. And then I think that the hardest part is for me personally is once you are placed with these people, uh, you have to figure out with the trusting aspect of, okay, how do I, you know, someone that spends basically like their husband see my husband more than like I yep. see them during the season, <laughs> uh, like, you know, just trusting. And I do feel like it is this odd 
boundary of like it's their profession and yet we still are like all in this weird circle all together. I don't even know. It's this weird boundary that you kind of have to have. Especially when one of them is your person's boss's spouse, right? Like, and I, Uh I know, I know how blessed I am to have loved all of my head coaches' wives. And I would sit them here and tell them all that. I've told them all that to their faces, (laughs) but there is always that element of, Hey, your spouse also is in charge of my spouse. And if he Mm -hmm. still has a job and if we move and there, there is still that element of, yeah, we all moved here together and we have this shared thing, but that doesn't always mean we're best friends and, but we're the only people everyone else knows here. And so Mm -hmm. it's, you're right. It's such an odd dynamic and it's hard to explain to people that don't know it. Like they just kind of assume everyone is in the same season of life, which isn't true either. We're trying to change the dynamic to be all like open and inclusive. And it's not that way everywhere. And we've learned that very quickly. It is not that way. Mm -hmm. But why do you think that us as women, we make it our responsibility of who's included and who is not? Is that interesting? Like, yeah, I don't know what that is. And I don't know if it's just, it's so easy to feel out of control with the lives that we live, that it is the one thing we can control of who's invited and not. And I don't even think it's intentional all the time, right? Like we just, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I want that person there. So I may just not invite them. It, it, yeah, it's it's yeah, such yeah. a silly thing, but it's the easy, sometimes it's the low hanging fruit of this is literally the one thing in this season of life. I feel like I get to decide. And so again, that counterintuitive, that's so natural. When things are out of control, we try to find something to control. But as far as building community, that's not always the best way to do it, obviously. And so getting people in the room together that may have not even thought to be in a room together is a noble effort. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Man, I'm trying to think who told me that Every time they've moved, they've tried to be who they wish they had at the last stop. Mm -hmm. And that was such good counsel of when you were a GA wife, what did you need from your Dobo's wife, your video wife, your assistant's wife, and you become a head coach's spouse. Remember what it was like in those other roles and be the thing that you needed. It's very counter sometimes what the rest of the world is doing because People can be picky and choosy about their social circles. And that's not always a luxury that we have, which is good. It forces us into relationship with people that are different than us, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's easy either. Yeah. I love your perspective on that. I, Ashley and I always talk about this and we talk about this with our significant others too. Like we always try to make mental notes of things that we liked or mm-hmm. didn't like from that season or from the people or from, you know, just in general, like what are things that we can do better personally? And like you just mentioned, as you kind of go up the ladder, what are things that like, so you don't forget, because I feel like once you get to the, that point, you've, you forget everything that you went through because you're at a totally different experience. And I'm sure there's a lot of hardships in that too, but you just kind of forget, you know, where you kind of came from. And so I think, yeah, for us personally, we've, we've taken note, but we have another question that someone sent in. So they said that their significant other had some kind of indiscretions. They had some, some struggles with that and they're now engaged and she trusts she trusts him, but she still can't forget mm-hmm. the things that happened. I mean, and this is such a, 
I guess probably a biased answer, but I would just say, get into counseling. You know, those things that pop up and don't go away. It's like a warning light on your car, right? Like we got to pay attention to this. And so the longer you put it off, it doesn't go away. Yeah. And I think like y'all said, finding that person that's in your corner, a counselor can absolutely be that. And they have to keep everything private. I mean, that's really the best part, right? Like you, you literally can say within reason, short of some very specific things, anything you want to say, and it's literally against the law, they will lose their license for violating that. Mm-hmm. And so that's someone to go in, be totally honest about, because especially early on in dating and engaged early marriage, like that's so foundational. And this profession, this world is going to throw so many opportunities to test that and test the cracks in the foundation that as you fight for your relationship, but also fight for yourself and to be healthy. I don't know that that's a way I would necessarily want to live is just second guessing myself and not feeling good about something all the time. And so I know for me, that's kind of a good warning sign for myself when it's been a little bit of time and I still haven't been able to let something go. It's probably time to talk about it with somebody else. So that would kind of be my counsel is even if it's not a counselor, if it's a pastor, a trusted friend, like someone to get in your corner and be really honest with you, that's, that's the most helpful way to go. Yeah, that's great. I, I want to know how you like would tell someone to find a counselor, because what we have noticed is that people, you know, we say mental health is important and there is, you know, all these resources (laughs) and things. And then, you know, you go to a town and there's like 50 counselors and therapists. I mean, there's like all these different people. So I know that the hardest part is finding someone that fits you. So do you always tell people to kind of, you know, write down what are things you're wanting to work through and then kind of see if that fits because I know it's a lot of effort to find. I mean, Mm -hmm. I personally try to find someone everywhere we move and that's a process itself every time. Man, that's so wise though. I mean, I'm the same way. Like probably it's one of the first or second things I do when I know where we're headed is, okay, I've got to have someone because I know I'm going to need it. And I know what I'm looking for and it's still hard. So I do want to normalize that, that it's so, (laughs) it's not like medicine where, okay, I know that I have something going on with my sinuses. I probably need an ENT or I need to start with a PCP. I think issue specific is a great way to start. Okay. If I'm struggling with depression, there's people that are going to specialize in that. You're someone who wants faith-based. That's going to be something important to check into. If you don't, that's something important to know before you walk into an office and you're surprised. I know for me, and there's different styles of counseling. I generally don't do well unless someone's pretty direct with me. It's not necessarily what I want, but it's what I need as far as someone's going to knock me between the eyeballs when I need to hear it (laughs) in a loving way, but I, I need to hear it. And so as a counselor, I'm never offended when people email or call and just say, hey, kind of tell me about your style. Are you someone that's just going to sit back and listen and kind of reflect and just be really supportive? Are you someone that tends to challenge things? In fact, I, I welcome that just because that saves you the time as a client, as someone that's there to not have to start over if we're not a good fit. And that happens a lot. I, I want to say that too. If you're with a counselor and talking to someone and it doesn't feel like a good fit, my feelings are never hurt when someone says like, hey, I think I'd like to try another style or someone else. It happens a lot. So don't suffer. <laughs> like, Don't sit there and in, in counseling with someone that you're not jiving with. It You just have to start over again and it's kind of messy. So I think kind of knowing, hey, even if you haven't been to counseling before, 
when people have been impactful for me, what were those qualities? Were they direct? Were they maybe a little bit softer in their approach? Was it a male? Was it a female? Was it someone who I saw early in the morning on the weekends, kind of knowing those things about yourself to make an informed decision. But psychology today is always a pretty good, they kind of know it's a website that shows who's in your area and what insurances they take. And I would also say, especially if your insurance is through the school, a lot of them have EAPs. And so if you're covered under your spouse's insurance, generally you can get four to six free sessions and when you call to set those up, normally someone will ask you a few questions to try to help match you up to hopefully take away some of that process. So that's a good option too. Yeah, that's, that's great, great advice. I feel like that's the scary part whenever you move and you're like, you want to dive into counseling or maybe you feel like you're trying, you just had a great counselor and now you have to move and you have to find someone yeah. new. And it's always that like uncomfortable period. But I think that's such a great tip to find somebody that matches your style first. Let's do one more question. If you have struggles with your significant other's family, parents, maybe setting boundaries with them, how do you go about that with your significant other and maybe with them? Yeah, and boundaries are kind of the hot word right now, right? Like I'm not on TikTok. I don't know that I'm quite cool enough to be on TikTok, but my <laughs> my teenage clients tell me all about it. And so I even know on like Instagram, there's always these things about setting boundaries and knowing your limits. And, and I do think, like I said earlier, you've got to know your threshold because if I'm drawing a line in the sand because I'm tired, that's really different than because this is the line that needs to be drawn. And so making sure I'm in a good place because when we set boundaries, and it's not in a graceful, loving way, the message gets totally lost in the delivery. And so making sure that when that boundary is getting set, I'm in a good space. But, you know, it's it's been really special for me because there's older wives and wives that have been in the, in the industry for decades that help kind of mentor those of us who are newer. And so one of them said to us, this was last season, that, you know, when I married Matt, like, I know that I wasn't just called to be Matt's wife. I was called to be a coach's wife. Like that's something I have a unique set of gifts for. But I also think our families are called to be coaches' families and that their part of this process is something I forget about. You know, my family didn't ask for this. This was something that <laughs> belong and, and with no preparation, with no handbook, with no understanding. And so to try and have grace when we can have grace, but that boundaries are something that's healthy and knowing that it's not something done to be petty or to be controlling. And um, when I'm trying to set boundaries, I know for me, I've really got to check my intention because sometimes admittedly we flex just to flex. Mm -hmm. And so then it's easy when it's not rooted in the right stuff to kind of spiral when it doesn't go our way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause that thing, right. When, when our life is out of control, this is the one thing I'm trying to control. Then I am going to be really reactive if that's pushed. But boundaries are so important and so helpful that we've got to know which ones like are held to die on. What are we really going to stick to? And so just to stay calm, you know, I think that people generally tend to respond with the energy that you set in the room. If I'm staying pretty cool and collected and the other person is escalating at some point, generally they're going to reflect on how that interaction went. And so I never want to be the one contributing to the chaos if I can help it. And they don't have to like it, but 
I think that when we release that inner dialogue of everyone's got to like me, everything's got to go a certain way, everyone's not always going to like you. And when we kind of release that and listen, rejection's going to happen. I wish it, I wish it wouldn't, no one likes it, <laughs> but it's part of the deal. If everyone liked me all the time for everything I did, I'm probably not being very honest with who I am. Mm-hmm. And so even with Matt, with our families who are amazing and so beyond supportive, I think recognizing that their frustration is generally from a place of, they want to understand, but sometimes they don't and it's okay. Yeah. But erring on the side of grace has never been something I've regretted. So just being really graceful and how you set those boundaries can go a long way. Yeah. I feel like with, with significant others too, like it's such a sensitive topic because if someone was to come at my family, like I would be upset too. Like even my, you know, even my boyfriend, if he was like, oh, your mom, X, Y, and Z, I'd be like, what about my mom? Like, you know, no like- No one talks about my yeah. mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you get very defensive and I, and they're not around, you know, for a lot of this. So when you're kind of dealing with their family coming into town, maybe unexpected or those type of things, like you're the one that's kind of put on the front line. So it's hard to maybe have those conversations for people with their significant other to be like, you need to set these boundaries. Like it's maybe not me. That's such a good way to think about it. Cause really we're almost the translator between the two of we have these people who love and care, but maybe don't speak the language. And this person that speaks language really fluently, but doesn't always see the whole picture. And we're in this unique position to be the go-between, which leaves us really tired and sometimes burnt out in that. And so I know for me with Matt, I've always wanted our house to be a place that he could come through the front door and feel like, he was loved and supported and could be himself. Um, that whatever was going on with work, whatever was on a fan message board was not going to impact how our house was running. And at the same time, there's obviously things, right? Like that doesn't mean he doesn't have responsibilities or things in our house to do. Like he is just as much an equal partner in our house as I am. And so I do my best to take things off of his plate when I have the energy to spend there. But when there are things for him I think catching him at the right moment is something we've learned along the way when we're both in a good place of, hey, here's the two or three things I need you to handle and giving him enough time and space to do it. Because I know I don't always understand the urgency of coaching and phone calls and all the things. But if I can give that space and that latitude, sometimes that helps me be a lot more patient with it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. I just think it's funny. Like, you know, when uh, their job is an experience. So when people come to town, like if, if your significant other was doing anything else, they wouldn't be like everyone on Saturday, we're going to go to the accounting department and we're going to go check (laughs) out the desk. And that would never happen. And so it's such an odd thing to set boundaries, you know, for, because, it's an experience like you are bringing mm-hmm. not only just to come visit and see you know their son or daughter or whoever but you're actually like full I feel like you are doing an event like yeah. you are hosting an event yes. is what it is absolutely and I think that's where the pressure comes in from what we've yeah. learned yeah. but I appreciate your honesty on yeah. everything it just makes me <laughs> laugh because I'm like this is so odd like yeah. you would never do that <laughs> it is it you, you said it perfectly it is hosting it is a whole weekend of things and feeding and transportation and parking. And we laugh because he is so, he's got a Google browser open. And I always tell him like, I've got a browser, but I have 17 tabs open. Uh And like, I'm flipping between them and thinking of all these different things. And we're just wired differently. But 
it does take a toll. And so I know at the end of the season, we are super committed to being somewhere that the phone does not work. And that sometimes <laughs> takes a lot of effort but <laughs> and scheduling, but it is so important to unplug because it's not, it's just nonstop and it'll, it'll consume if you let it. So no, I, you're exactly right. It, it's a hard balance to be the go-between with family for sure. Yeah. So we have one more question. We ask this at every single interview. So if you were to go back in time and tell your younger self just starting out in this journey, one thing that you've learned, what would you say? I would say don't major in the minors, that this profession is going to throw you a thousand things to be negative about. And any day it could look different. And you're going to have to choose your joy and chase your joy and just be intentionally positive. So don't major in the minors and find things to celebrate would be my best advice for younger Katie. Love that. Yes, love that. And we just appreciate you for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge. I feel like I just had a full therapy session myself. <laughs> so like, so our, is our hour up? Yes. Or... <laughs> so if people want to find you, where can they find you at on social media if they want to? ask you maybe a question not related to counseling or related to counseling. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So my Instagram handle is Katie Breyer and there's a lot of vowels in there. So it's K-A-T-I-E-B-R-A-E-U-E-R. Um, it's set to private just because of my job. So, but you know, if you send me a message, I generally try to check those just kind of where you heard. And obviously with counseling, make sure that what you're putting in there is something, if it's a safety thing, I always, you know, want to say like, if you're really struggling with safety or having any sort of like suicidal thoughts, self-injury, reaching out to me on Instagram is great, but that's not a place necessarily to handle that. And so making sure that it's something local, but yeah, absolutely. Especially kind of navigating, okay, how do I find a counselor? What was that website you talked about? That's where I hang out. And then I really just don't do a ton of social media. Other than that. So <laughs> Maybe they'll just boundaries. want to follow your journey on your, <laughs> yeah. through basketball. This season. Thank you so much again for talking with us. We really appreciated having you on. Thanks ladies. Appreciate you. And thank you to everyone that's listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.